welcome to Fresh Fusion, a weekly show where we discuss the business, the art, the ethics of content creation on the open web. My name is Jared White, and this is episode 90, iPad TV and putting YouTube in perspective. I've been wanting to record an episode about YouTube and my attempts to corral YouTube into uh, some sort of manageable place in my life where it doesn't feel like I'm just serving the almighty algorithm and giving Google everything they want. So we're going to talk about that. And also just in general, how I'm approaching big social these days and how I'm blocking pretty much all the big sites and yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. And then of course, as the title alludes to, uh, we're going to talk about the iPad and using the iPad with a TV and that whole journey. So it's all going to come together here, folks. But first, let's get into a few links that I want to make note of. You can find these links, of course, in the show notes First up here is a fantastic article by Paul Ford. Uh, The title is, God Did the World a Favor by Destroying Twitter. (laughs) This was published on Wired, and uh, it's just a a really great article that is very well written and draws this fascinating parallel between the Tower of Babel or Babel. Babel, Babel, (laughs) whatever it is, the tower of whatever it is that's in the Bible and uh, draws this comparison between that and Twitter and the destruction of Twitter being sort of like the destruction of the Tower of Babel and sort of serving a similar purpose in culture. Uh, Really, really awesome. I highly encourage you to read this. Uh, My favorite quote here. (laughs) uh, I just love this. But when I go back and read Genesis, I hear God saying, My children, I designed your brains to scale to 150 stable relationships. Anything beyond that is overclocking. You should all try Mastodon. (laughs) Oh, it's so great. So great. God did the world a favor by destroying Twitter. Just love it. Uh, Speaking of Twitter, an article over on The Verge talks about how Twitter has essentially just turned into Elon Musk's personal blog because apparently everyone's just following Elon and seeing all of his tweets, whether they want to or not. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, don't even, I don't even know what there is to say about this topic anymore. It's just so absurd, so obscene. Rich dude spends $44 billion to turn Twitter.com into a personal blog. I mean, I Elon could have just started Elon Musk's blog.com and, you know, hooked up some comments and gotten his ego stroked there. Like, I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. But uh, what can you say? What can you say here? Yeah, moving along, uh, one other link that's in the show notes is to a post I wrote, speaking of personal blogs, <laughs> um, post I wrote called There's No Free Hot Tub, and it's kind of about how technology is rarely just additive in the sense that, you know, oh, a technology comes along and it's just uniformly great 
and wonderful and helps everybody and there are no downsides. That is not that common, really. Like every new thing that comes along that has an upside, there's usually a downside and you really have to weigh the pros and cons. And to a certain degree, the folks that sort of ignore that and then actually come after you for not ignoring that, uh, they're, they're either ignorant or trying to sell you something. <laughs> the grifters out there, in other words. Because, uh, yeah, new technologies are rarely uniformly great. So uh, check that out. And now, without further ado, on with today's topic. So as I've mentioned, I'm not using any big social media apps on my phone any longer. Uh, I've, I've taken them all off for the most part. Uh, I, I do read stuff on Reddit. Uh, so for that, I'm now using Apollo. Um, I'm not using any app for YouTube. I'm just going to YouTube's website. Um, I'm not using the Patreon app anymore on my phone. I'm just using Patreon's website. Um, so there's a number of reasons here. You know, one has to do with the fact that I'm just so tired of walled gardens and feeling sucked into all these proprietary platforms and proprietary apps. I'm just like, no more, <laughs> no more. And in other cases, the web experiences are actually better which is one of the more surprising things about this. Like, for example, uh, I have found Patreon's mobile app to be uniformly bad for a long time. And quite frankly, their website's not a whole lot better either. But I have found that just going to Patreon's website on my phone and checking on the feed of the few folks I, I, uh, I'm a patron of on Patreon, uh, it just works better in Safari, going to the website. I don't need the app. There's just no reason to do that. Um, I still have some apps for things like Slack and Discord, you know, stuff I need to use in the course of my work. Um, but I re really sort of consider those in a different category because they're not ad-driven broadcast types of platforms. You know, they don't have influencers and these mass disinformation campaigns and all of that garbage. So, you know, I, I can go into the Discord app you know, check on a few servers, chat with some folks, and then leave, and I don't feel dirty afterwards. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I've just been on this crusade to, like, back away from being sucked into all of these silos. But when it comes to YouTube in particular, that's, that's challenging, right? Because uh, YouTube, to me, is still pretty valuable. There's a bunch of creators I follow on YouTube, a bunch of vloggers, uh, and even though some folks that I like create content for Nebula, I'm a Nebula subscriber, um, I can't just ditch YouTube and only use Nebula. That would really disconnect me from a, a bunch of creators I admire and, and follow. So, so I've found ways to corral YouTube. And in general, I'm just blocking a lot of stuff now. So, so let's start off with talking about uh, what I use to block domains. There's a extension on both iOS and macOS for Safari called Blockalicious. There's a link in the show notes to this app. Uh, with Blockalicious, I'm able to just do a blanket domain block. So I've blocked Facebook.com, Instagram.com, Twitter.com, TikTok.com, and most recently, YouTube.com. Uh, I'm not blocking YouTube on my phone just yet, 
but on my iPad and my Mac I am, and there's a reason for that, which I'll get to in just a little bit. So of course, with a blocker, you know, you can tell Safari to, you know, load the site and not block it uh, as a manual step, you know. So if I click on a link to Twitter and Safari immediately blocks it, I can just tell Safari, you know, load this anyway without blockers. Um, but I rarely do that. And sometimes on occasion, if I need to do that, I'd rather prefer to just pop over to another browser entirely like uh, Firefox, which I use a lot kind of for, you know, web development and testing purposes and to kind of keep certain work related things in their own little area there. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm very intentional about occasionally uh, opening up uh, a link to Twitter uh, I almost never open up a link to Instagram, and I honestly don't think I've seen anything on Facebook.com in, in years. Like, I just don't do it. And I don't go to TikTok. I just don't go to TikTok at all. I have no reason to do so. Now, when it comes to YouTube, the reason I have started blocking YouTube on the Mac and on the iPad is because I have started using Feedbin for uh, subscribing to YouTube channels. Uh, Feedbin, of course, is an RSS reader, but it does so much more than that. It can also read uh, in newsletters. You can essentially subscribe to email newsletters and have those come into Feedbin. You can even subscribe to Twitter accounts and read those in Feedbin, although I'm not sure how long that will last now with all the API changes over at Twitter. Uh, But uh, I hardly follow any of those anyway. It's not a big deal. Uh, but the thing that's become really nice for me is to use Feedbin's uh, YouTube features to subscribe to channels there. Uh, so I've been slowly adding a bunch of the channels that I like to watch regularly, and I can just go right into Feedbin and open them up. And the nice thing about that is Feedbin uses uh, YouTube's no cookie domain for the iframe embeds. So even if I'm blocking YouTube.com, I can still go into Feedbin and see the videos there and play those. Uh, so that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not going to YouTube.com in Safari. I'm not, you know, like YouTube has stopped being a destination for me. Like I'm not, I'm not just browsing through YouTube. I'm going to Feedbin and seeing the latest videos from the creators I most like. And that's pretty much it. So uh, I'm really happy about that. But the downside to that has been while YouTube and Feedbin works fine on my iPad or on my Mac, uh, sometimes I want to watch YouTube videos on my Apple TV. You know, I have a TV, it's connected to the Apple TV, the little box there, and I want to be able to watch videos. I removed the YouTube app from the Apple TV, but now the question is, how do I watch any YouTube videos? I could try to airplay the videos to the TV as I'm watching them on a device, but I have found that to be kind of finicky and kind of janky. I've never really liked airplay that much as as a professional solution, if you will, for anything. You know, it's nice in a pinch when you absolutely need it, but um, I just don't want to rely on airplay. So, you know, I was there thinking, oh, man, I wish Apple TV had an actual web browser. I could, like, go to Feedbin on the TV and and then, you know, select the channels I want to watch and watch videos. And then all of a sudden, as I was thinking through that, I had a brainwave that, wait a minute, (laughs) 
I have this nice iPad Pro here in my hands, and it has you know all this new support for external displays via Stage Manager, and I have you know extra HDMI cables I can plug into the TV. I can just plug my iPad into the TV and use the TV as an external display from the iPad and do whatever I want. I get a web browser. I get any apps that are on the iPad. I can load up Feedbin. I can watch videos there. I can read blog posts. I can use Mastodon. Like I can do everything now right on my big, beautiful 4K TV. So I tried that out and it's awesome. It's so awesome. I, I'm, I'm really quite shocked how much I love this experience. <laughs> uh, it seems to work really well with watching YouTube videos. You know, I watch some with like HDR, uh, 4K resolution, et cetera, et cetera. No problem. Everything looks great. You know, if I need to remote log into my Mac from my iPad, which I sometimes do using screens, no problem. I can just connect to my Mac and see my Mac there on the TV. Uh, I can join a work meeting via Zoom and see everyone on Zoom on the TV and get sound through the sound bar, but still use my iPad's mics, uh, you know, easy access to music playback and things through my sound system there. Um, like, it's just so great. It's so great to have this experience now. <laughs> it was literally just sort of like a, like a sudden aha moment. Uh, and now I'm sort of thinking like, why aren't more people talking about this? Like iPad TV is fantastic. <laughs> and stage managers, external display support almost seems like built for this. Um, I'm actually thinking now at this point, like I don't particularly like iPad OS when I'm at my desk using the external monitor support there. Uh, just it kind of broke my brain when I tried that out. Uh, and I was kind of like, yeah, I guess the detractors are right. Stage manager on an external monitor, not that great, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for some reason, having it on a TV just feels right somehow. Like it's really nice and clean and, and fresh, modern feeling. Uh, and the flip side is I've never liked using macOS on a TV. Like over the years, occasionally I've plugged, you know, like a laptop or something into a TV and tried to use my Mac there, you know, with the TV being my computer monitor. Uh, and it's just always felt really weird. It's always felt sort of like <laughs> two different worlds colliding and it doesn't quite make sense. Um, but the iPad just seems, I don't know, I, I can't really describe in objective terms why it feels different, but I really like it. So I now consider iPad TV to be one of its canonical, you know, modular computer sort of setups. You know, you can use the iPad just by itself. Just hold it naked, use a touch screen. You can use it with an Apple pencil. You can then connect it to a magic keyboard and use it like a laptop. And now using it with a TV, I feel like it's a real thing thanks to Stage Manager and external display support. So big win for me. Big win. Yeah, uh, watching YouTube now through Feedbin on the iPad, connected to the TV. It's totally a thing, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, I'll, of course, still use my Apple TV, you know, for specifically watching movies and shows. And there's a Nebula app on the Apple TV, which is great. I can use that. Um, but, you know, for anything that's kind of web related, you know, YouTube, 
podcasts, reading Mastodon, browsing the web, looking at an article, uh, you know, doing a Zoom call, uh, logging into my Mac for an occasional thing I need to do with screens, like all of this different stuff uh, I can do now uh, and use my TV while I'm sitting in my nice, comfortable Ikea <laughs> easy chair uh, with my legs up. Uh, uh, drinking something nice. Uh, this is this is living the life, folks. This is living the life. I know it seems a little random here, but um, this this is sort of the culmination of a whole process, right? So you know, initially I'm just trying to, you know, do things like block Instagram from my devices because I don't want to use Instagram or support it. You know, block Facebook. Uh, you know, the whole crazy thing going on with Twitter. I'm blocking that. And as I'm blocking more stuff, I'm like, why do I even need these apps? Like, why do I have to keep using the YouTube app on my phone or my iPad? Like, why do I have to keep using this this increasingly crappy Reddit app on my phone that like it, they keep taking away features and breaking stuff? And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> this thing never gets better. It only gets worse. So I finally broke down and got Apollo. And, you know, I'm using Ivory on my iPhone and my iPad to uh to read mastodon stuff and ivory of course is a wonderful independent app by the folks at tapbot so yeah and getting rid of the patreon app so you know i've just been like on this whole journey of slowly switching to as much as possible use a few websites and then nice open fediverse or rss adjacent services uh and it's great um, and then kind of the, the final, <laughs> the final leg of that journey was, well, how do I watch the occasional YouTube video on my TV? And that whole journey led me to, uh, connecting the iPad up and it's great. So yeah, so life overall now is actually better. It's actually way better than it was. <laughs> I feel much happier about all my computing choices these days. I'm honestly trying to think of the, if there's anything I miss, like, <laughs> what do I miss? Uh, <laughs> uh, I still kind of miss Instagram, to be perfectly honest. And not necessarily the Instagram of today, but like the past days of Instagram where uh, it was easy to follow hashtags like, you know, Portland and Oregon and Pacific Northwest and stuff like that. I'd see lots of cool photos. Uh, I really enjoyed that back in the day. And I have missed that. Um, I like using Glass. It's just like a little independent uh, photo sharing platform. But uh, Glass doesn't let you follow hashtags. They just have like a few categories like cityscape or abstract or portrait, which is fine. But um, I wish there was a way to just like follow hashtags uh, specifically for photos. Um, You can follow hashtags in Mastodon, of course. Uh, and I do so, and I do see the occasional awesome photo that way. Um, but it's, you know, it's not quite the same as a dedicated photo sharing site. In terms of Twitter, I, at this point, don't miss it at all. <laughs> it's funny, like, I feel like a few, a few short months ago, I was kind of lamenting, grieving, if you will, my... Uh, my having to leave Twitter and the meltdown there. And even though I was getting excited about using Mastodon more, I was just kind of like, oh man, this is going to be so disruptive to my career perhaps and to my quest to 
you know, be a content creator and all this kind of stuff. And quite the opposite has happened. In fact, um, I'm getting tons of engagement on Mastodon, like so much more engagement. <laughs> I'm posting stuff and getting lots of interesting comments and lots of likes and boosts and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I now have comments embedded in my blog. So if you go to jaredwhite.com and, you know, uh, the, the previous episode 89 was about that. Uh, you know, if you go to certain recent um, posts or, or podcast episodes or what have you, you can see comments that are essentially just the replies on Mastodon to a, to a relevant post. So yeah, everything there is better. I don't miss Twitter at all. Don't need it. Don't want it. Don't care about it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Uh, never got into TikTok in the first place, so I don't care about that. Um, in terms of YouTube, like, do I miss just going onto YouTube.com and sort of clicking around related videos and surfing the algorithm to find stuff? Eh, <laughs> not really. Occasionally, I would find that if I was watching a video, uh, something over on the side might be relevant to me and I'd find a new creator that way. Um, but I feel like that might happen 5% of the time, maybe 10% of the time. And the rest of the time, it was either just annoying stuff I didn't care about at all or just like surfacing stuff I I already would see anyway. Like, you know, oh, there's this other video by so-and-so creator and I'm, and I'm subscribed to them and it's like from a few days ago. So I would see that anyway, just looking at my subscriptions. So like, why does it need to be there on the sidebar? Uh, and in terms of the homepage, I've hated the homepage for years. <laughs> I recorded a video literally years ago about how much I hated YouTube's homepage and all the algorithmic bullshit that's on there. <laughs> Don't care about that at all. Uh, I always go directly to my subscriptions and bypass home and try to just watch stuff I already follow. And, you know, if I want to find something new, I'll search for what I need to search for. So on occasion... I may, uh, you know, bypass my blocker now and go to youtube.com to search for something. You know, I'll do that if I have to. But the rest of the time, nope. I don't need to, I don't need the algorithm to tell me anything. I don't care about it. I don't want it. Get out of my way. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to subscribe to the stuff I'm, I want to subscribe to. Use Feedbin and and there you go. Like that, that totally works for me. And now that I can watch it on the TV... So much the better. All right, folks, that's it for today's episode. I hope that inspired you, gave you some ideas for how you might be able to take back control and stop feeding the algorithm <laughs> uh, and, and sculpt the sort of social media life that you prefer as free from corporate control as possible, I hope. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, jared at jaredwhite.com. Of course, you can find me on Mastodon. I'm on IndieWeb.Social at Jared White. And as always, you can just follow me going to JaredWhite.com and uh, grabbing my RSS feed from there and going to JaredWhite.com slash podcast to listen to past episodes of this show. So thanks once again for tuning in. And until next time, bye-bye.